Crossroads, we are excited that you're here. Last week, we began a four-part series called Miracles. And again, I told you last week, if you were here, you remember me kind of referring to Israel being the land of miracles. And when you think about the land of Israel, you kind of look at that land and that, the geography of that land. And right in the middle of that, you see the Sea of Galilee. And a lot of the miracles that we see in Scripture happened in or around the Sea of Galilee. You know, when you, when you think about miracles, miracles bring a greater revelation of who Jesus is. Miracles actually display the power and the glory of God, and they bring the actual revelation of who Jesus really is. So this morning, as we think about Israel and the land of miracles, I kind of want you to think about the Sea of Galilee, and I kind of want you to kind of get a picture of that in your mind, because when you look at the Sea of Galilee, you realize that at its widest, it's about seven miles wide and about 17 miles long. And the interesting thing about Scripture is Scripture tells us that Jesus and his disciples made many trips in, around, and across the Sea of Galilee as they would go village to village doing ministry. And in one of those journeys, it tells us that the disciples were about halfway across the Sea of Galilee. But on this particular journey, Jesus was not with them. He had gone up to the mountain to pray. So if they're about halfway across the Sea of Galilee, that means they would be about three and a half miles out. And it puts them right in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now think about that. Nowhere near the shore. Nowhere near safety. And isn't that the place that miracles usually happen? They happen when you're the furthest away that you could ever be, you feel like, from God. They take place when there's no way of escape, but you're desperate for God to show up. So I can just imagine how these disciples of Jesus must have felt out on the water in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. And the account that Matthew gives us is that these disciples were beaten by the waves. Now think about that, beaten by the waves. Because isn't that the way that some of you feel right now? You feel exactly like the disciples. Maybe for you it's a, a battle that you've been fighting that's beating you down. Maybe you're drowning in financial debt. Maybe, maybe you're fighting for a relationship or a marriage or a health issue. And no matter what you do, it feels like you're actually losing the battle. And believe me, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to feel overwhelmed and discouraged. Because that's a sinking feeling. And here's what I said last week. We all want to experience the supernatural. We all want to experience a miracle. But we don't want to be in a situation where we need a miracle. We want a miracle, but we don't want to be in a situation where we have to have that miracle. Because that means that you or I are in over our head. We don't want to deal with the problem that would require a miracle, but the thing I said last week is this, 
a problem is always the prerequisite for a miracle. Because if you're not in a mess, you don't need a miracle. Am I right? If you're not in a mess, you don't need a miracle. But it's in that moment that you feel powerless. That's the moment that God can display his power and his glory, and it's on full display. So that's where the disciples are. The disciples are in a mess. And the Bible says that about 3 a.m. that Jesus came walking to them on the water, out there on the middle of the Sea of Galilee. Now think about it, 3 a.m., some of you didn't get in last night till 3 a.m. So you know what these guys are feeling, you're tired. These guys, these disciples are tired, they're exhausted. They've probably been up for 20 hours or so. And they're fighting for their lives in the middle of a storm. And then in their darkest hour, here comes Jesus towards them. Now listen to this. The interesting thing is Jesus is walking on top of the thing that they thought was going to take them down. Jesus is walking on top of the very thing that they thought was going to take them under. So can I just encourage you this morning? Maybe you find yourself in a storm, but you know what this story tells you? Don't give up. Keep going. Keep rowing. Keep looking for Jesus in that storm because here's what he promises. He promises that he will never leave you or forsake you. Don't give up. And here's why I believe I can say that. Look at Matthew 14, verse 27. Matthew says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, when Jesus says, it is I, that phrase in the Greek is, is the phrase ego ami, which is literally translated, I am. Take courage, I am. I am. Think about that. I am that I am. That would have been the same words that God would have used to describe himself to Moses. I am that I am. I am the beginning and I am the end. I'm the giver of life. I'm the sustainer of all creation. I'm your hope. I'm your refuge. I'm your defense. I'm your helper. Those are who I am, so take courage. And maybe that's what you need to hear right where you are this morning, right where you are. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying to you. He knows where you are, and he's saying to you this morning, take courage. Because he's everything that you need. The story kind of tells us that Jesus comes to them in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. And it says that they looked and they began to recognize that it was Jesus. And that Peter called out to him, Lord, Lord, if this is really you, then call me to come out to you. And Jesus said, come on, brother, come on. Come on. So Peter gets out. 
And Peter actually walks on the water. And, and, and most of you know the story. He, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he actually begins to seek for a moment. Sink for a moment. But Jesus grabs him. And they both get back into the boat. Now, here's, here's, here's the thing. In the church world, you know, I mean, church people are church people. And most people give Peter a bad rap for this. But can I just tell you something? I think he's great. I mean, he got out of the boat. Peter had the faith to get out. And that's what I'm here to tell you this morning. If you're going to experience the supernatural, then you got to get out of the boat. If you don't believe that you can experience the supernatural in your life, then listen to me this morning. You're not going to experience the supernatural in your life. Because, see, it's your faith. Your faith is the thing that has a lot to do with your future. Come on, somebody. Your faith has a lot to do with your future. Your faith is the thing that, that actually forecasts your future. What did Jesus say? Let it be done to you according to what? Your faith. That's what Jesus said. Let it be done to you according to your faith. What you experience in the future is not dependent on God's power. It's not dependent on God's ability. But it's dependent on your faith. Now, you look at the story of Jesus and Peter walking on the water, and there are lots of miracles in this story. But at the end of the day, once Jesus and Peter are back in the boat and the storm settles down, what happens? Exactly what I told you happens. The disciples gain a greater revelation of who Jesus is. And remember what I said, miracles always point to God. Miracles always point to God, and they always help you and I get to know Him better. And not just better. They help us to get to know Him in a greater way. And think about this. Every miracle begins with a small step of faith. Every miracle begins with a small step of faith. So if you want to experience, Crossroads, listen, if you want to experience a miracle in your life, you got to get out of the boat. Again, Matthew chapter 14 describes this. And, and again, if you, if you want to turn in your Bible there, you, you probably can't see it anyway because it's so dark out there, but that's kind of the way we design it. We want it that way because we want your focus to be here. But here's what I would encourage you to do. This story is actually found in Matthew chapter 14, and I would strongly encourage you this afternoon in your quiet time this week, go back and read it. I know a lot of you think that you know everything about this story, but here's the thing. Go back and read that because I'm not going to go through it this morning. I'm just going to read some different parts of this story because I know many of you are familiar with it. I say it again because I know that most of you have heard this miracle before, this miracle of Peter and Jesus walking on the water, but I just want you to read it for yourself at some point this afternoon or some point this week, because when I actually read the story in its entirety, 
preparing for today. Here's a question that I came up with because I think it actually speaks to this miracle. And the question is this. Look, Look behind me on the screen. How can you and I have that kind of faith? How can you and I have a fearless faith? How do we have a fearless faith? Because you and I are going to be confronted with storms in our life. Let me tell you, you may be coming out of a storm, you may be in a storm, or you may be going into a storm. But knowing that it's going to happen to you and to me, no matter where you are, how can I have that kind of faith? That's why I believe this time together is important. Because you're either in one, coming out of one, or going into one. And knowing it's going to happen to all of us, how do we have fearless faith when we walk through the storms of life? Now, I'm going to set this up for you. And again, I'm not reading the whole thing, but I'm going to use some different passages. But there are things that when I read the story that I see, And I want to help you see those things as well. So I'm going to start at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Because there's one word in this verse that's very important for you to understand. Look at Matthew 14, verse 22. Here's what it says. Matthew says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. One side of the Sea of Galilee to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. While he, go ahead guys, while he dismissed the crowd. Now look at at that because I want to focus on the first word, immediately. Why why is that word important? I'll tell you why it's important. Because another miracle that I'm going to talk about next week has just happened, and that's the feeding with the five loaves and the two fishes. So immediately after that miracle, he tells the disciples, get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, here's, here's the thing. In my mind, those disciples get into the boat. He's not going to go with them. But you have to understand, those guys have just experienced this amazing miracle that Jesus fed all of these people with five loaves and two fishes, five loaves of Wonder Bread, five loaves of Bunny Bread, and two sardine cans. He's just fed probably 20,000 people. I'll talk about that more next week. So you got, these guys are riding a high. But immediately he says, get to the boat, go to the other side. But they're on this high, they have this, what is that, uh, endorphin? You know, and there's something going through them you know, where they're just, I mean, it's just, they're crazy. But look at what it says next. Verse 23. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone on the mountainside, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the disciples get into the boat. Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray, and the disciples are rowing across the Sea of Galilee. And that's when the storm hits. It's like this storm comes out of nowhere And bam, they're in trouble. Now, can I just ask you something? Isn't that the way life is? I mean, you're just rowing along in life, and out of nowhere, you get a letter from the IRS. Out of nowhere, the doctor's office calls. 
You're just rowing along in life and everything is good, just like the disciples who were coming off this amazing miracle. And things in your life have been so good for so long, you just know that something's going to happen. You know something's coming. Because we've all been there. Things have been good for far too long. So get ready. Brace yourself. It's coming. The storm is coming. You just know it's coming because it's been good for far too long. Now think about this. The disciples, put yourself in their place. They have just experienced this amazing miracle. Now most people would not say this, but but I want you to track with me on this. You know what I believe? They get into the boat, and how many baskets were left over? Twelve. And what did they do with the baskets? They probably carried them with them. So they have 12 baskets or remnants of the last miracle in the boat with them. Now think about that. You're a disciple. You have the physical, tangible evidence of the last miracle, and it's in the boat with you. And here you are out on the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and boom, the storm hits. And what do they do? They try harder. They row harder. Now think about that. Because isn't that the same thing that you and I do? When something happens in our life, listen, when the storm hits in our life, we try in our own ability to make things better. We try in our own ability but we don't trust in our own expectancy. We try harder, but we don't trust in our own expectancy. So here are the disciples out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. The storm hits. They're going under their own ability. They're rowing harder. They're terrified. And all of a sudden they look and they they see Jesus coming to them in the middle of their storm. Now, can I just say something that's probably going to mess with some of you? When you're in the middle of a storm, Jesus can be hard to recognize. When you're in the middle of a storm, Jesus can be hard to recognize. But look at what it says, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. So here they are. They're tired. They're rowing. And they're afraid. But look at what it says. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But look, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began sinking. And when he was sinking, he cried out, Lord, save me. Do you see what's going on here? Was it Chubby Checker said, we got a whole lot of shaking going on? Or was that Elvis? We ain't got a lot of sh- we probably got some shaking going on, but you know what the shaking going on is here? It's based in fear. It's fear. There's a whole lot of fear going on. 
Now think about this. Jesus had just produced the most amazing miracle with those five loaves of Wonder Bread and two fish. And they get in the boat. They've just seen that. And they get in the boat and the storm hits and they're afraid. Peter is afraid and he starts to sink. And then verse 31 says this. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And look at what he says. You of little faith. Why did you doubt? Do you remember what I said last week? One of the biggest obstacles to miracles in our lives is disappointment and what? Doubt. Why did you doubt? Peter, don't be full of fear. Be full of faith. You know what Jesus is really saying? He's saying, I, I, I can't work with fear. You will sink in fear. Uh, uh, crossroads, here's what Jesus is saying to you. All he needs from you is just a little bit of faith. Just a little faith. Look at what it says in verse 31. But when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now look, look at one thing in that verse. I'm going to put it up on the screen by itself so that you can see it behind me. Here's what it says. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. Do you see the contrast? Fear and faith. Fear and faith. The disciples full of fear, Jesus full of faith. Did you ever wonder why Jesus could walk on the water and Peter couldn't? It's because Jesus was full of faith. And Peter was full of fear. Jesus is full of faith. Listen to me. There is no fear in him. The Bible tells us perfect love casts out fear. And Jesus is love. He has no fear. He is faith. He's able to walk. He's able to walk on the water. But Peter, full of fear, sinks. There's a contrast here, a huge contrast here. And many of you right now are looking at me or watching online and listening online, and you're asking the question, what is so important, Randy, about faith? Can I just tell you what the enemy wants to do? Satan, the devil. Satan. Satan wants to disrupt your faith. Because Satan himself, listen, listen to me, he knows that faith is the thing that's so important. And the devil himself, your enemy, wants to disrupt your faith. Why does he want to disrupt your faith? I'll tell you why. Because faith is the thing that calls on heaven. And people say things to me like, Randy, I just got to tell you, the devil's after me. He's been after me. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Robert bought me some pound cake. The devil's after my waistline. You know what I'm saying? But some of you will say something to me like, Randy, the devil's after me. He's after my job. He's after my marriage. He's after my car. The devil ain't after your car. You don't even want your car. You know what the devil's after? The devil's after your faith. You think the devil's after your marriage? He's not really after your marriage, but he wants you to think 
that things in your marriage aren't going to work out. But he's actually, the devil is after your faith, trying to make you believe that God can't do a a miracle, a miraculous thing in your marriage and restore it. That God can't make some miracles happen. You know why? Because faith is the thing that shakes heaven. Faith shakes heaven. Faith moves God. Faith rebukes the devil. Faith rebukes diseases. And what does the Bible say? If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, that you can say to this monitor, move over there, and that monitor to move over there. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, then you can say to that mountain, move, and that mountain will move. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Listen to me this morning. Faith is not the appetizer. It's the main course. It's not the appetizer. It's the main entree. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So Satan doesn't want your spouse. He wants your faith. Because he knows if he can just, listen, listen, listen. He knows that if he can disrupt your faith, you know what he can do? He can knock you off course. Simply by disrupting your faith. That's what's happening in this story. You might not be able to see it, but I'm going I'm to bring it home so you understand it. That's what's happening here. Yeah, God may could have done that miracle where he produced some food, but he can't calm a storm. See, we forget all that God can do. See, see, you, you, you come to Jesus, you, you know there's something missing in your life, there's something missing in your heart, you come to Jesus. Because Jesus is what you need. Jesus is your salvation. So you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you take the Bible, His Word, you take the instruction manual for life. This is the thing that tells you how to live your life, how to do life, how to, how, to, how to exceedingly abundantly do the things that God has for you. And for some of us, it becomes our fire insurance. I'm good. I'm good for heaven. So what do you do? You take the instruction manual right here, like you know, like you do when you get something at home. Guys, the men especially know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't look at it. You, you know everything. How many times have you done like I've done, put something together and left out one screw and the thing would not work? See, that's what we do here. We take the instruction manual and we lay it on the coffee table. And you think you're good because you've got Jesus for salvation. And then a storm comes along in your life and if you would have just looked at the instruction manual, then you would know that Jesus is bigger than just salvation. Because Jesus has grace, and he has miracles. If you just look at this, you would know that he's got something in store for you. But if you had just gone to the instruction manual, then you would realize that Jesus can do a whole lot more than just produce food. 
Because he's the God of miracles. But see, we're so full of fear that we can't grab onto faith. So when I looked at this story, there are a couple of things that I noticed when we talk about the difference between fear and faith. There's a contrast between fear and faith. Here's the very first thing that I want you to see. The very first thing that I see in this story is this. Again, read the story on your own, but the very first thing I see is that fear fights. Fear fights in the situation. What did the disciples do when the storm hit? They rode, they tried harder. And that's some of you right now. You are in the storm. Listen to me. You're in the storm of your life, and that's the very thing you're doing. You're just trying harder. You're fighting right now in your natural ability to make something happen. And you've got to stop fighting in your natural ability. And you've got to start working with your expectancy. Fear fights in the situation. But faith focuses on the solution. Fear fights in the situation, but fear, uh, but faith focuses on the solution. You, you, don't, you don't look at Jesus and go, who is that? Is that a ghost? No, it's not a ghost. It's your salvation. It's your salvation coming to you. See, the disciples had just started fighting and rowing harder. And we're just like them because here's the thing. When you're not in the instruction manual, when you're not in the B-I-B-L-E, you lose clarity on who Jesus really is. And here's the thing that I think is crazy about this story. Those disciples in that boat probably had the remnant of the miracle that Jesus had just performed right at their feet. Twelve basketfuls left over. Now let me ask you this. You, you, you can't tell me that those disciples, as they're fighting the storm, as they're rowing harder, that they couldn't look down right there at their feet and have been reminded of who Jesus was and what he could do? Oh, I mean, just think you're fighting in the storm, you're rowing harder and harder, and you look down and you see the basket that are the baskets that are a result of the miracle that, oh, that's who he is. If, if he did that, he can do this. But Satan comes along and says, no, 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 that's a different God. He might come through over there, but he won't come through over here. Now listen to what I'm about to say. I actually do believe that Jesus leaves remnants of miracles in our lives so that we can remember who he is when we're confronted by another storm. I believe he leaves those remnants 
of a miracle that he's already done in your life to encourage you, to remind you. But so many of us have gone through so many storms in our lives that many of you, and sometimes myself, we feel like we're living in a constant storm. And, and our vision gets blurry because the stormy life is just so natural. I mean, I just, Randy, I just live in a constant storm. So many of you have lived in the storm so long that you have forgotten to pray for the supernatural. You have forgotten to pray for Jesus to do a miracle in your life. So can I just tell you this morning, Crossroads, we need to grab onto this. It's time for us as followers of Jesus to clarify who he really is. And for us to believe for the unexpected. To believe that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Here's the second thing that I noticed in the story. Fear sits in opposition. But faith steps out in opportunity. One disciple decided that he was going to get out of the boat. Now think about that. One disciple decided that he was going to get out of the boat, but the other 11 rejected who Jesus was. Fear, the other 11, sits in opposition. But faith steps out in opportunity. See, I don't believe for a minute that Peter looked at those other 11 and said, Hey, boys, what's this miracle? I don't believe he said that. I just believe that Peter thought it was better to step out on the boat, out of the boat, and into the storm with Jesus than sit in the boat and go down with those other 11 guys. It was just better to step out and be with Jesus in the middle of a storm than to be with those guys. I'd rather be in the storm with Jesus than in a boat and fighting a storm, and going nowhere, because there with Jesus is what? There's opportunity. And some of you are saying, Randy, you have no idea what I'm going through. I'm experiencing the greatest opposition in my life. Well, I've got good news for you. Your greatest opposition is a setup for your greatest opportunity. Your greatest opposition is a setup for your greatest opportunity. God is setting you up to know that it's not you, but it's Him. It's not you going to do anything. It's Him that's going to do it. And I believe that Peter steps out, and then he gets back in the boat, and the, the disciples are like, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? You thought you could walk on water? You're crazy. But then a couple of days removed, you know, you know what I believe happened? I believe the disciples were like, so tell us, what was it like? What was it like? And Peter was like, 
You'll never know because you didn't get out of the boat. You see, here's the thing. When you experience opportunity in Jesus, people are going to look at you and go, what just happened? And you can say, you know what? I'll tell you what just happened. His name is Jesus. And I experienced the greatest opportunity that I've ever experienced before. Fear sits in opposition. But faith steps out in opportunity. Fear sits in opposition and faith steps out in opportunity. So it brings to me a question that, that I should have put where you could have seen it, but I just came up with this and I didn't. So here it is. The question is this. What are you sinking in that you should be standing on in your life? What are you sinking in today that you should be standing on? Because you're not called to fear as a follower of Jesus. You're called to faith. You're called to expect the unexpected. Here's a third thing that I saw. Fear sinks in doubt. But faith stands in determination. Peter steps out of the boat and, and boat and he comes to Jesus. Now think about that. Peter steps out of the boat and he comes to Jesus. And, and let me just let me just let me just give you a timeout. We don't come to Jesus for a miracle. We come to Jesus because he's a miracle worker. Did you hear me? We don't come to Jesus for a miracle. We come to Jesus because he's the miracle worker. And some of you are here this morning, you said, you know what, I need a miracle. I need God to move in my life. So you know what, I need to go to church. But can I just tell you something this morning? We don't come to church to get a miracle. We come to church because we need Jesus. And let me tell you, Crossroads, you spend enough time with Jesus, you're going to get a miracle. But you don't come to Jesus to get a miracle. You spend time with Jesus. And I believe that's what Peter was saying. He stepped out of that boat and he said, you know what, I need Jesus. And he steps out of that boat and he's focused on Jesus. And he's full of faith because he says, if Jesus can walk on the water... I can walk on the water. I can do this. But the, Bob, the Bible says that the moment he saw the wind and the waves, out of the corner of his eye, he began to sink. Because the devil, your enemy, knows that a little bit of fear can disrupt your faith. I mean, think about it. We've all had those moments. We're going through something. And something little happens, and, and it's like, I don't, I, I don't know if Jesus is going to come through. I don't know if Jesus can come through. And what happens? You begin to sink because 
fear weighs you down. I looked up the word determination in the dictionary. Jay, go back to that, to that third point. Fear sinks in doubt, but faith stands in determination. I, I looked up the definition of determination in the dictionary. But you know what some of the synonyms for the word determination are? Courage. Backbone. Grit. So when Jesus says to Peter, where's your faith? You know what he's really saying? Where's your backbone? Where's your courage, Peter? Where's your grit? Don't you know who I am? Because here's the thing. If I can do a miracle over there, then I can do this right here. Just trust me. Do you understand what the reality of this is? See, it's so easy for me or for you to say what you're going to do when the storm hits you in your life. It's so easy for you to tell other people what to do in the middle of a storm. But when the storm hits us, it's a little bit different. I mean, think about it. When you have a friend going through a storm, you have all the best advice for your friend. But then the storm hits you and you're like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And Peter was like, you know what? I'm determined to make this happen. I'm determined to make it happen. Here's the fourth thing. In this faith-fear contradiction. Fear waits to see what Jesus will do. But faith worships him for who he already is. See, fear waits to see what Jesus will do. I mean, how crazy is this story? They see Jesus walking on the water. Now think about it. They see Jesus walking on the water, and you don't instantly worship him? I mean, that's not natural, Crossroads. Because here's the thing, if I'm in that boat and I see Jesus walking on the water and I look at my feet and I see 12 basketfuls from the miracle that he just did and I look and see Jesus supernaturally coming to me in the middle of my storm, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to worship him right in the middle of this storm. But the Bible says that the disciples waited until Jesus got in the boat and the storm calmed down. And that's when they worshiped him. Are you kidding me? And see, here's the thing I believe this morning. There are people listening to the sound of my voice. And you're in a storm right now like you have never been in before. And you know how you're approaching it? 
you're saying, you know, I don't want to worship him until I see how he's going to come through for me. You don't want to worship him until you see how he's going to come through. But can I just tell you this morning? You don't worship him to see how he's going to come through. You worship him because he already has come through. If salvation is all that you ever get, it's worth it. You worship him. If eternity and heaven is all that you get, crossroads, let me tell you, it's worth it. You worship him. You don't wait to see what he will do. You worship him because he's already done it. Expect the unexpected. You live with faith. You live with expectancy. Knowing that God may not have come through exactly the way that I wanted him to come through, but he always comes through. Because that's the God I serve. He's the God of miracles. You don't wait. You worship. Some some of you kind of, you know, you're very reserved in your worship. And some of you have actually questioned me, you know, why why do people raise their hands? Are they trying to remind God of who he is? No, I don't raise my hand to try to remind God of who he is. I'm trying to remind you of who he is. That's why I raise my hands in worship. Because I owe everything to him. So maybe today you're here, you're watching, you're listening online, and you you say, Randy, I don't know whether I'm full of fear or full of faith. I just don't know. Then maybe I propose this to you. If you want to find out, step out. If you want to find out if you're full of fear or faith, if you want to find out, step out. Because you know what Jesus says to you this morning? He says, you know what? If you've got a little bit of faith, I can work with that. But fear, it's a definite contrast when it comes to all the things that I have in store for you. This morning, I want to close this service by praying two different prayers. The first is going to be for all of us who are struggling in fear. We need Jesus to just increase our faith so that we can rely on Him more. That's the first prayer. The second prayer is just for those who just need Jesus. Maybe you've never asked Him to be the Lord of your life. And this morning, you know what He wants to do? He wants to do a miracle in your heart and save you from your past and bring you into a glorious future. So all across this room, I'm going to ask you again, it's a little out of our comfort zone, but would you just stand up right now? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just be bold this morning. And if you would be willing to admit that there's some level of 
your spiritual life where you're struggling in fear, would you just raise your hand? Would you just, just, just come on, just raise them up, Crossroads. That you're struggling. I see, I see those hands. You're struggling in fear. And here's what I would say to those around you. If you see somebody with their hand up who's struggling in fear and is bold enough to admit it, maybe you just reach over and lay your hand on them. And let's just pray. God, this morning, all across this room are people who are struggling with fear. Maybe they're in a storm in their life right now. And they just don't know how to approach that storm. And God, my prayer this morning is that you would fill them with faith and that they would learn to rely on you more. That you are the author and the finisher of their faith and you can do exceedingly abundantly more than they could ever ask or think in their health, in their relationships, in their finances. Fill them with faith because you've already come through for them. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe this morning, this is the day that Jesus wants to come into your heart and to make you His. And maybe right where you're seated, maybe you're watching online, listening online, right where you are, just simply, simply pray a prayer. It's, it's bigger than a prayer, but the prayer is that outward expression of something that's happened inside and maybe right where you are you just pray right now Jesus come into my life change my heart make me new forgive me of that past and bring me into that glorious future that you have for me knowing that you paid the price on the cross for the sins that I have committed and today, Jesus, I make a commitment to follow you, even though I don't understand it all. See, some of you may have said, well, I don't even know who God is. I don't even know who Jesus is. Can I just tell you who Jesus is? Jesus is God's only son. And if you were the only person on this earth, he still would have come to the earth to save you. That's how much he loves you. So right now, you just turn your life over to him, asking him to do in your life what only he can do. God, we thank you that you are who you are. That you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. And this is our time to lean in and to lean on you as we seek to follow you in all that we do as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you.